Hey, on today's show, Season 4, Episode 5, Not a Taoist, I will be talking to a good friend of mine named Speck, who is very inspirational, educational. I think you'll enjoy what he has to say. Coming up on your favorite podcast show, Cup of Dow, starting right now. You're listening to Cup of Dow with your host, Chris L. McClish. Chris is a man with many roles, many journeys, and one spirit. Hey, how you doing? Today, I'm going to be talking with Speck, who happens to be not only a friend of mine that I met with the Taoist uh, meetup group, but he is also into philosophy, and he's very knowledgeable, so I think you'll find him inspirational, educational, and humorous at the same time, if that's even possible. All right, so uh, here he is, Speck. All right, welcome. How are y'all doing out there? As I understand it, you're going to talk about why you are not a Taoist, right? So this should be interesting. I think that, yeah, that question popped in my mind. You asked me, you know, what maybe we could talk about. And I don't know, that kind of struck me because I think we've talked about this before, man, but I don't, I don't really think of myself as a Taoist. You have said in the past, based on some things that I've said, that you think maybe I am a Taoist. Well, that was the impression I got. You did show up to a Taoist, uh, Taoist meetup. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's another thing. That's a clue. Yeah. yeah, you show up to a Taoism meeting. But, you know, my background as far as my studies in philosophy go to Alan Watts and Buddhism. Mm -hmm. And and Taoism, that's what I'm drawn to. Yeah. So, or at least his have been throughout most of my life. Um, Hinduism interests me quite a bit now, but I don't consider myself any of these, and I don't like to put that that ist on it, mm -hmm. you know, or that ism on it. There's something about that, and you know, if you go and you look. You know, I was looking at, at, at the book here, Tao Te Ching. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's the first line. It's the first line, and that's all you need. You, then it's like all this other stuff is elaboration, and I'm sure you get stuff out of it. Same thing in Buddhism. You know, I think there's like there's a central key teaching of buddhism that you can you can say in a single line right mm -hmm. but it doesn't stop there it has to turn into an ism now to refresh people that are listening the first line of the Tao de jing being something along the lines of the Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. so in that sense yeah. i think you're in great company because i don't even know if leatsu would describe himself as a Taoist. just like uh, jesus probably wouldn't say i'm a christian or Buddha wouldn't say I'm a Buddhist. That's correct. But all these things, and, and another thing is all these teaching, all these different religions, I don't even want to isolate myself away from them either. You know, so, you know, Aleister Crowley, right? right? You right. know who he is? The, the mm -hmm. occultist from the early you know, 20th century. Right. Uh, it, one of the things he said was that 
Um, you should be able, if you're truly kind of at the, at the highest kind of evolutionary state of human, mm -hmm. that you should be able to get up on any given day and be anything. So one day you get up and you're a Christian and one day you get up and you're a, a Hindu and one day you get up and you're a, you're a Muslim. One day you get up, you're just a hardcore, you know, uh, scientific materialist, mm -hmm. whatever. Right. And cause there's, they all, I think have a basic center to them. Yes. And it's that first line in the Tao Te Ching. It's in, if you go to Buddhism, it's basically the, the root of all suffering is attachment. Mm -hmm. That to me is the really all you need. Now, let me also say that I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> so, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to spread. I'm not trying to say that other people should, feel the same way about this as I do. I don't want to, you know, present this as though I'm offering sure. something here. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, let me ask you this. Let me throw something at you. Cause I, cause I'm not a happy person. So uh -huh. it's not like my route has led to this kind of, you know, happiness or enlightenment or whatever. Go ahead, buddy. Um, this is just some thoughts I had, uh, off of looking at some studies and see what you think about this. It seems like there's some people that have an adventurous brain. They are, they tend to, you know, explore different kinds of foods. Um, they see uh, a pet as a member of their family. They tend to have more why questions. So they might be more likely to vote liberal in politics because they're more likely to question things. And um, they, they, I think when they read a religious scripture, they're more likely to look at it in context or see the symbolism there. And then you have right. people that have that more conventional brain and they tend to, you know, eat traditional cultural foods. And here in America would be meat and potatoes, uh, not try Thai food. Obviously a pet is a pet. It's not a family uh, member. They tend to vote more conservative and they tend to want more of a, a black and white uh, in their scripture. If it says so in the religious scriptures that they're reading, that's the way it is. No questions asked. Um, and it seems to me that combined with in Western societies, we tend to do a lot of branding. You know, if you, uh, if you, for example, drive a certain brand of car, it doesn't work for you. Or maybe your dad always drove Fords. So you're a Ford person. You drive Ford trucks and Chevy's the enemy. We do that with sports teams. We tend to do that uh, in all sorts of ways, politics. And I wonder, you know, some people, if there was a movement called Igliism, so let's get Taoism out of this. If there was an Igliism movement, some people would join on it with the adventurous brain because it's new. It's exciting. It's like, wow, I want to find out what this Igliism is about. Other people right. would join it because it lines up with their beliefs, kind of like a here in America, we have QAnon or we have, you know, different, different, uh, the Green Party movements and the, the New Deals and the things like that. Anyway, so I'm wondering how, what you think of some people are excited by Taoism because it's different than what they've learned or been taught. It's new. Other people, it lines up with their beliefs. Maybe they um, weren't happy with uh, their primary religion. 
and it just seems to fit with the things that they believe in. Um, do you think that's why people have a tendency to label this cross between um, the adventurous brain, branding? What do you think about that? It's, cat, it, it's categorization, and it's something that really irritates me, too. Like this, there's this tendency now, and I do this too, so I'm not saying I'm, I don't do this, mm -hmm. but this tendency now to like rank, right. everything's got to be like ranked top five, top 10 or whatever. You can't just say, I like the Beatles. It immediately goes to name top five Beatles out. Sure. Right? It's that, and that is a function of language. And this is another, uh, problem i have with and, you, and you're absolutely everything you said is absolutely right by the way i mean there are these different personality types there's no question about it and if you're that type that is drawn to like an organized religion mm -hmm. and and just buy into it you're probably going to live a happier life mm -hmm. True. right because you can just i I never, full, well, I'm, I'm going to say with a couple of exceptions, which I won't, will not go into right now. Um, I find it very difficult to totally commit myself to anything at any point in my life. Like just like a reading a book, I feel like I'm always distracted. Mm -hmm. And so if I had that capability to just like embrace something yeah. without thinking about it, right? Which I guess is the point too of Buddhism, right? right? It's, it's supposed to teach you to to meditate and to have this kind of uh, of experience, maybe help you to reach that, and then you get the happiness. But I think there are some people who are just born in that type of personality, mm -hmm. right? To where they'll be drawn to. But the creation of the religion itself, to me, is all tied to language, and I think this is something we don't think much that, enough about in our culture. You know William S. Burroughs? Yeah. Are you familiar with William S. Burroughs? He was a beat writer. Mm -hmm. My favorite line from him was, language is a virus. Mm -hmm. And we, this is something you and I talked about before. Um, you know, you were talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that Jesus had this insight, right? This enlightenment whatever it was he had that moment and then he tried to communicate it but he had to go through the language to do it right. and you know we were talking about this i think one night you and i about how how do you get that that actual meaning of what that enlightenment was you can't right so there's a degradation so when you get the teaching it's a degraded form of what the teacher actually you know had right and to me, the more language that surrounds a religion as it grows, it corrupts it. You're right. And I think it makes it, that's when we start having fallacies in logic. Logic, um, For example, going back to Igliism or Igli, and this is kind of stolen uh, from Thomas. I think it's St. Thomas Aquinas. I might have the wrong person, but I think it's stolen this, this uh, argument here. But let's say you said, Igli wears a hat. That's what Igli's like. He says, but Igli has no head. Now we've got a problem because in our understanding, you can't wear a hat if you don't have a head. And yeah. it, would, it would be meaningless. 
And people tend to do that too with the religion. Um, God is unlimited, but God can only do good. Well, could he, is it that he did, you know, he chooses to do good and he could do evil if he wanted to? No, no, no. God is, God is good. He doesn't have a bad bone in his body. God is limited. To, well, then he's not unlimited. Language just seems to get in the way, doesn't it? Yes. Yes, it does. And that's, you know, because I think about my own kind of uh, psychological, weird psychological pegadellos, whatever you want to call them, you know. But I, it, it, it's all based in language to mm-hmm. me. The whole, my whole kind of neurotic situation is based in, um, is based in language because I'm thinking in terms of words all the time. I like what you said too about people that have the answers are more happy. And quite frankly, I'm jealous of those that have their dogma and they strict rigidly to it and they follow it. And that's the way it is. If the writing says you do X, Y, and Z and you'll go to heaven and you're protected, they can live their life pretty happy as long as they're doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's exactly right, man. Let's go back to branding, for example, that the concept I brought up of, you know, like if you're a Ford person and you have that, you think t- yeah. people tend, once they wrap themselves around something, they'll even let go of some of those imperfections there that don't line up with their beliefs. We see that in the USA, um, like, for example, with Trump followers. Uh, And I know I do have Trump follower listeners, but uh, not to dog on them, but Trump clearly has done some behaviors that are different than fundamentalist Christianity. Yet you have a a ton of followers that, you know, are kind of like he's almost sent from God because he says he's going to protect Christianity. You think we tend to... You know, and, and it would go true for um, somebody who's liberal. Uh, you tend to forget or kind of block out some of the bad things. Likewise, with your Ford, if it can't do certain things a Chevy does, yeah. you're more likely to say, yeah, but my uh, my Ford can do X, Y, and Z, and that's why it's better. What do you think of that? Yeah. I think that that's spot on. and. The thing about it is, even though I describe myself generally as an unhappy person, I feel like I'm unhappy mm-hmm. more than I'm a happy person. Mm-hmm. I have had these moments of what I can only describe as existential bliss. And now that I think about them, they were moments where I felt like I entered that kind of state. Mm-hmm. Where I was, just, and, you know, because I do. And now here's the thing, man. Now I'm going to, you know going to ruin the whole first segment of your show because (laughs) you know i say i don't like an ism but i do feel like i have my own kind of personal belief system sure and it's built around this musician named rasan roland kirk Mm -hmm. right and i have had moments listening to his music Mm -hmm. that maybe you know is in some way similar to what somebody who can just embrace Jesus or what? Right. And it felt like that, man. And I feel like, you know, that, but I, it's not something I can maintain outside of that, you know, in other areas. So, yeah, I do think that that it takes it. And I've, I've been lucky to kind of have these experiences, but generally speaking, yeah, I think there definitely are these different kind of people and different kind of personalities. And you've had those experiences 
and you have your own personal spirituality. Exactly. And I would bet that if you took any two Catholics, any two Baptists, any two Hindus, any two Muslims, etc., you would find that even though they have some common principle beliefs, otherwise they probably wouldn't share the same religion, um, they each have some different separate spiritualities. That is, that is no doubt true. Mm-hmm. That is no doubt true. You know, and I, and I hear people, you know, that I, I, we've all heard people, that, you know, that they're just love a musician, mm-hmm. you know, and I've loved music all my life, man, but I've never had anything like this before. I tell you. And I would encourage your listeners to check out Rasan Roland Kirk and his music. It's, Listen to it on YouTube. But one of the things, he's a horn Mm -hmm. player, right? So he'll hit these notes and he does something called circular breathing. Mm -hmm. And he can hold a note for just a long time, minutes at a time. And it's, if you can get into that note and ride that note, Mm -hmm. to me, that's that's the Tao. That note is the Tao. Mm -hmm. And there ain't no words that you can use to, to ever, like, like the thing says, you know, it's all, it, you need that first line and then it's direct experience and the language just gets in the way of that. All the words just get in the way of that and they get twisted. I mean, look at the way that, you know, Christianity has been twisted. You, you alluded to this, how Christianity has been twisted to, support all kinds of things that there's no way you could actually read closely the teachings of Christ and, and come to those conclusions politically, societally, whatever, because it's this stuff, what we have as, uh, you know, this could be any religion as that'd be Christianity, but you know, it's all just what I see. Mm -hmm in the world today is a total, it's a whole total corruption of what the original teaching was. And that's what bothers me about something becoming an ism is because it's turning into that. It's turning into a, a degradation of what that original insight was. But all we have is words, right? If you live in a human brain, it's hard to know, right? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you go back, for, oh, God, I'm going to sound like a total idiot here, start talk, trying to talk about science. But, you know, if you go back in the evolutionary process, mm-hmm. you're going to get to a pre-language being, aren't you? Right. Eventually. And then that creature ha- lives a life, probably gets pleasure and pain in that life. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have language to kind of get in the way of just experience. Right. You're just experiencing what's there with no words. That's probably an incredibly beautiful thing. So we're back to words can't describe the eternal Tao. And they're an obstruction mm-hmm. between you and getting to it. You sound kind of like, you sound kind of like a Taoist for somebody that's not a Taoist. <laughs> you know, I mean, obviously this is, this is, if I if I had to pick, like if you just put like all the world's religions yeah. in front of me, I, is it even a religion? I don't know. And and it, 
it, it, you put a bullet to my head, so you got to pick one of these, right? And it's just, I only had this list to pick from. Mm-hmm. It would be Taoism, maybe Buddhism, but I even see Buddhism as being more regimented than Taoism. I don't know if I, maybe I'm wrong in that. See, there are sects of Buddhism that seem to get pretty weird. The uh, interesting thing is, too, when we have words, we have dogma. It's, you know, you have right. religious Taoism that has all sorts of mechanism of control. Exactly. You have religious Taoism that has all these sorts of rules. Um, you can even look on Reddit forums and you can see somebody in the Taoism comments say, you're not a Taoist because you weren't born in China and you don't, you weren't ordained and you didn't follow these sets of rules. Same thing. And I'm not just dogging on Taoism. Obviously the same thing applies with, you know, the uh, commandments in Christianity, precepts in Buddhism, et cetera, et cetera. You, you get this dogma and that seems to get in the way too of somebody having these spiritual experiences the same kind of experiences you describe when you're listening to Rasan Roland Kirk. Sometimes dogma can get very much in the way of one's spirituality. Yeah. But again, we, you know, some people like that dogma. They have to have that. That's why I never argue with, uh, for example, my mother-in-law or somebody that has her answers and that's the way it is. Exactly. Um, hmm. Yeah. So what attracts you, you you said you were interested lately in Hinduism. What is it about that that it attracts you lately? What? Oh, you had to ask this, didn't you? I did. Well, maybe you don't know this, but Rasan Roland Kirk is an anagram of Lord Krishna. Mm-hmm. I've heard you say that before. And Krishna was a flute player. Mm-hmm. So it's funny. I didn't real I didn't even think about a lot of this but I got an audio version of the Bhagavad Gita Mm -hmm. and I listened to that and the guy who did it, I can't remember um, the name, but it's fantastic, man. Just fantastic. This story. And you can see, I mean, if you look closely at it, you can see the parallels to Christianity or teachings of Christ. Okay. There are definite parallels there. So for the, this is more fresh in your mind than it is in mine. So correct me if I say anything wrong, but as I understand the Bahavad Gita, um, it was Arjuna who was a chariot driver to Lord Krishna, who was, uh, no, no, no. I think you actually, I think you got that backwards. Lord Krishna had, was like a childhood friend and he's acting as the servant and he's the driver. Okay. And Arjuna is like royalty. And and this is and in this story, and I'll probably mess some of this up too, but in this story, um, this is much of it is uh Krishna revealing who he is. Kind of like an avatar, right? A somebody yes. who's like Christ yeah, conscious. Blue in a lot of these stories. Okay. And this happened on the eve of a great big battle, right? Yes. And yes. in the story, uh He's revealing how, um, you know, there's people that have sort of Christ consciousness. He does say some things that are very much in parallel with Jesus, such as, you know, uh, Jesus said something along the lines of, I'm the beginning and the end, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And uh, he says some similar things like, 
you know, pieces with inside yourself. Uh, he talks about things being um, a, a beginning and an end. And one of the big differences, though, it, there it, there are parallels within that. But one of the big differences, as I see it, is that there's a point in the story when Krishna reveals his true form, and it is like this monstrosity that can't, it's indescribable. Mm-hmm. And apparently, you know, it showed the best kind what we would think of as kind of the most loving aspect. And then on the other end, this kind of this horrific monstrosity, that's just a death machine. Mm-hmm. So it's like these, this incredible thing. And Arjuna could only look at it for a little while. And then he had to, beg him to go back to his you know mm-hmm. human form and it, it seems like in chris and again i'm not an expert in any of this but it seems to me that the teachings of christ christ doesn't portray himself as having that dark aspect right, right? it's it's and and that's because the 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 way that the teachings of christianity or you know judaism before that the way these teachings are designed they don't allow that because it's there's this kind of built-in you know dichotomy good versus evil thing heaven and hell whereas in in hinduism the way i understand you take a krishna character it's all of it heaven and hell it's 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 not separate you know Mm -hmm. it's all experience suffering and pleasure but anyway, I was listening to this thing, and which I thought was great. But here again, a lot of it gets, you know, it goes too far for me. Like uh, Krishna is telling Arjuna right ways of behavior and stuff. And he's saying you should, I think, something like you should live a life of service mm-hmm. and that kind of thing, which is, that's, a, that's fine teaching. I, don't, I would never say don't do that. But I just don't like it when... A re, you know, there's this religious aspect. To it. Right. I don't like that. Um, but there are things about that story that I, you know, I started thinking about the character of Krishna. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking at the name Rasan Roland Kirk and playing with the letters. And I found Lord Krishna was an anagram mm-hmm. of Rasan Roland Kirk and played instrument, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of gave me chills. Right. And there are other things. A lot of it, too, uh, dates back to when I was telling you I used to listen to Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. And there's some Alan Watts tapes that I have where he describes some of the Hindu mythology. And I just found it incredibly interesting. I find those stories more interesting than, like, biblical. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's so many parallels. Do you think that uh, there is, there's obviously kind of some universal truth in most of the world's major religions. Do you think that's purely societal control factors? Do you think there does exist a universal truth that is either in our DNA or it comes from a higher place? What do you think about that? That That is a hard question. Mm-hmm. My gut tells me no. My gut tells me that, you know, here again, and we got in, we've got into this before about nihilism and, and, you know, I guess um, more recently absurdity, mm-hmm. right? right? 
that feels more gut truth to me. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I've always felt pretty much my entire life. Except I have had these experiences, which I mentioned to you before with this music. Mm -hmm. And I have had occasions where that those experiences became something like a spiritual kind of event. Mm -hmm. All right. And all this stuff that we fill our minds mm -hmm. with, that wondering about what's right and what's wrong and what reality is, and with here again, language, right? Mm -hmm. So all of that, it laughs at it. Mm -hmm. And it says, you're a child. And it feels like there's something bigger. It does feel like there's something and it bigger. Feels, and it's and it is let me tell you this, man. It is very persuasive. So, but then you come out of these experiences, and it's like there's a period where you just cannot believe it that you've 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 had this experience. But then slowly over time it'll it'll you know it you'll start to question even that, you know. Right. But I'll tell you, when you're in it, you don't question no. it because when you're in it, it it's a it's as convincing as somebody dropping a hammer on your head. Sure, that convincing. And is that us touching? I, I know this is we're just speculating, but is that touching something beyond ourselves? Are we just a bag of chemicals and we're just activating a certain part of our brain when we have these spiritual experiences? I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know what the answer. Is. I don't know. Because, you know, I can have, uh, look, you can, I can have dreams that feel real. Mm -hmm. And then you wake up, well, it's just a dream, but was it? I don't even know anymore, man. And so I don't, this, this is why I'm saying, you know, isms isn't for me, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't tell somebody else not to do it. You know, I wouldn't tell somebody else not to Have you read Chinese? Actually, I do think I have one of his books. Hold on. I've got this one, The Butterfly as Companion. Yes. So, you know, yes. So, you know, he talks about, am I dreaming about the butterfly or am I the butterfly yeah. that's dreaming about Chung Su? Yeah. And see that a lot of, that's a dangerous place to go because you start thinking in those terms and you start to question all of it. Speaking of Hinduism, have you heard of uh, Kriya Yoga? I don't think so. Kind of the idea there is, um, and again, I'm not an expert on it, but our our uh, our bodies are kind of like antennas. Our spinal cord is kind of like an antenna, and we're really uh, kind of like a pen to a writer. That the real you is controlling this body here on Earth. And this is just sort of like a vessel for the uh, exchanging in this realm. Man, that, that gives me chills hearing you say that because I have thought, yeah, that kind of stuff, but that's an, yeah, that uh, I could probably be persuaded that there's some, some uh, validity mm -hmm. to that. Me too. Let's go back to that a little bit. Um, All right. 
So the bottom line here is you uh, spec are not a Taoist, but if you had to put yourself in a category of what kind of aligns with your beliefs, um, the way you think, Taoism has a lot of good ideas there because it said some. It says some of the same things you're saying that kind of words get in the way. The Tao that can be spoken of is not the eternal Tao. Um, What's that line, man? Because, but to be fair, though, I mean, I when I hear that line today, I'm connecting it mm-hmm. to these other experiences that I that I've had. Right. So, you know, somebody's just coming to that book, and they're not you know, don't have those experiences and maybe they need all that extra stuff. I don't know, but I immediately now today, I tie it to the music I was telling you about. And that, cause that to me is, is the Tao. I feel like I'm, I'm in the presence of the Tao. And, you know, listen, I would do, you know, your, your listeners, they should go and they should listen to uh, um, the old rugged cross by Rasan Roland Kirk. If you have a question about what is this guy, Rasan Roland Kirk, go and listen to that piece and understand what he's doing, which he's uh, playing multiple horns simultaneously. And he's circular breathing on a level that I've never heard from anyone else ever. And, but it's not even just, I mean, that's just the technical stuff. There's something else there too. So a commercial from spec about Rasan Roland Kirk, and he gets no money, ladies and gentlemen, off of promoting that. Absolutely no money. Uh, kind of off topic a little bit. That's right. I have no money. <laughs> <laughs> this this kind of goes to something you've told me before in our Taoist meetup groups, that um, you said Taoism is kind of depressing in the sense that it doesn't give us the answers. It doesn't say do this and you'll be fine. Here's the golden answers to everything. You kind of compared it to uh, nihilism. I think the question that I was actually posing to you Mm -hmm. was doesn't Taoism kind of, and there may have been actually a passage that came up. I don't remember that brought this up, but, Oh, um, weren't we talking about free will? I believe so. I think we were talking about free will and determinism. We were at that that sandwich place. Mm-hmm. We were talking about free will and determinism. Yeah. And then somehow, of course, I'm a determinist. I don't believe in free will. Um, well, here I just put an ist on myself. See what I did? <laughs> now I'm a hypocrite on top of everything else. <sighs> Let me say, okay, I tend towards determinism, okay? Um, and so, and I, and I thought there were some other people there that we were sitting around talking, and I must have gotten the impression that other people were agreeing with me about, you know, on determinism. Say more about your type of determinism that you believe in. Is it a predetermined from a being? Is it predetermined from our d- genetics and DNA? Do you... Would say more about uh, where okay. does where does determinism come from that we are, or where does free will come from? Because this has been answered by philosophers, so let's let Speck have a try at it. Where do we get free will? Where do we? Is there a golden plan that we're all following? Okay, so here again now, you know, I I my pretty much my whole life outside of those experiences, those musical experiences I was telling you about. 
me. I've been very much kind of just a, a atheistic sort, mm-hmm. you know. And when I look around me and I see the way that people behave and who they mm-hmm. are, it seems obvious to me, based on what I see, that they have been kind of molded by genetics and environment, mm-hmm. I guess, primarily. Oh, and then, you know, the people around them. And, and that's that. Right. And that these forces just kind of mold that we're constantly being molded. And every decision we make is kind of just another in a long sequence. I'll tell you, Sam Harris gives the best. He gives like an hour long. He's on Joe Rogan. He gives like an hour long discussion of this, explanation of this. And I think it's about the best explanation of free will versus determinism debate that I've that I've ever heard. He's a determinist. but. Um, I also want to just disclaimer, I'm not a fan of a lot of his other stuff, but um, yeah, he does a great, great job with that. But that's basically the point he makes is that there's not enough, there's no room for a choice, an actual choice. It's almost like a flowing river. So know? if I decided right now that I want to go get a candy bar or I, uh, I go in the fridge and I choose coffee over iced tea, that is somehow determined already. It's not a free will choice. Yeah, because you, you're not, you didn't just blink into existence. You're, you're on a continuum, you know, you're like a drop of, of water going down a river, you know, that might think that it's, guiding something but there's all these things around it that it has no control over you don't have any control over you know how well your brain works really i mean outside of accidents and things who put the plan there why is there a genetic plan that i would choose iced tea over coffee why would that why would that be in there who put it there why is it there and that's a fair point that's a fair point um and and maybe my bias also is a kind of a, a reaction here again. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, it's created by a reaction to the society I live in. So I, you know, I'm born into a society that calls itself a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. Right. And they just assert things as belief. When you start looking at them though, they don't hold up. So they'll say God is an all-loving God, but then you look around at all the death and destruction Mm -hmm. and suffering, and they're not willing to let him off, or or they 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 uh, you know I don't think you should be off the hook for that. So you look at if you create you look at all the death and destruction, and you choose not to believe the way those other people believe. So you make a free will choice. No, I already said, man. Now, hold on a second. I, I already said, I said at the beginning of this, this is the result of the, of the environment that I'm in. Right. Right? If I grew up in an environment that, that just taught Christianity and, and just focused on the teachings of Jesus and not all this other stuff about the, you know, 
the, the, the weird bipolar uh, Hebrew God, you know, or, or, you know, the, all the other stuff, the, 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 the crazy stuff that's in the old Testament, right? They just throw everything in a big pile. It stinks. It doesn't smell very good. Right. But if I had grown up in a culture that say was based on the teachings of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. and actually emphasized that, and maybe, you know, gave health care to people and stuff like that and made sure everybody had enough to eat and that kind of thing, then I might be a Christian here. Also, the, another thing is, you know, I happen to be, to, to um, have a friend, a good friend, I actually had two friends who introduced me to Alan Watts. Mm -hmm. Now, what if I had never read Alan Watts? Mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know, you know, know what I know about Buddhism and Taoism and Hinduism and whatever else sure. today. I might have I might have eventually gotten into those mm -hmm. things, maybe, but there would have had to be something there for me to to actually seize. I'm playing devil's advocate here too, and I often do wonder, and I've told you this before, if there's maybe a script, but we have some times and some choices to go off script a little bit and go a little bit different direction. Yeah. Um, what about people that tend to see uh, somebody if they're poor and on the streets? that uh, it's their fault for being there that, or if somebody's rich and they were born into a wealthy family, it was predetermined and therefore they deserve to be there because somehow or another, they uh, that's their destiny or their lot in life. Okay. Now it's, but that's a different kind of, of yeah, that's a different kind of determinant mm -hmm. because that, and that's something you were alluding to a minute ago, which is this idea that something created all this. Mm -hmm. And that can be a very persuasive argument. And I am. I'm kind of being devil's advocate. I'm not necessarily making that argument. No, no, no. I understand that. But I, no, that's good. I, that's fine. Because um, it makes me think about some of this right. stuff. But the, yeah, I mean, that to me is a more persuasive. If you want to try to convince me that God exists, mm -hmm. that's the way to do it. Right. right? Is it's um, something had to start this. Right mm -hmm. now, there's still problems because now it's you know well who started the starter, right? So there you know it's a kind of recursive problem, but you can make a a, a a strong case that the problem with that though is trying to get the Christian God to line up with because this God who started everything has to be held responsible for everything. You can't say, well, he's only responsible. He's all powerful, all knowing, you know, but he's only responsible for the good things that happen. You like the teleological argument of if there's a watch, there had to be a watchmaker. That's, that is that argument. Yeah, that's that argument. Um, there's no way to, there's no, well, Again, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I, I have these experiences. Right. So in these experiences, it feels like there's something big there. I don't know that. I don't know what, I don't know if that's my, you know, brain just telling me something's happening or whether it really is or not. Ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, how would you ever prove it unless you could like have him show up at a party <laughs> or something and say, this is, here's God. <laughs> So Speck is someone that 
is not going to be boxed into being a Taoist. Well, now, here's the thing, though, you know, and I, I feel like I've had, I, 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 am in, I am at that position. I don't feel, I don't call myself a Taoist, even though I'm very sympathetic to kind of the ideas of it. Okay. Mm-hmm. But if, if you had talked to me like five years ago, five, six years ago, I would have said that and I'd have had a different reason for saying it. But I feel like now that I've had these experiences with music, which I was telling you about, mm-hmm. now it's like it's not even an option for me to 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 to, to you know become one of these, you know, is because this other thing, which is beyond language, that's the other beautiful thing about yeah. Rasan's work, you know, is it's he does have spoken words. So if you you listen to uh, again the old rugged cross, great starting point, people. Go listen to Old Rugged Cross by Rasan Roland Kirk. Okay. Um, there's spoken word intro to that. But it's 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 not didactic. Mm-hmm. It, it, it kind of is, but then you listen to it and it's putting you into the kind of this um uh, devil's knot that you can't get out of. And then the music starts and it just picks up steam. I think it's perfectly okay for a person not to box them into a category or call themselves this or that and to allow their own experiences to define who they are. And it sounds like that's what you do. Um, I'm surprised you said you weren't a happy person because you seem to me like someone who's pretty happy. But I also hear your argument that maybe someone that had set dogma and had their answers would possibly be more happier than someone that has a lot of questions more than answers. Well, I mean, I'm happy when I'm talking to you, man. <laughs> That's why I seem happy. Right. It's same here. Cause I'm having a That's good time. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy if I'm having a good time, you know, but I just get way too much in my head. Awesome. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, um, genetic, uh, chemical issue mm-hmm. is what it is or what it, you know, from my scientific, you right. know, permanistic point of view and it cycles, you know, it, it'll cycle you. It'll like get, you know, I don't get, I don't get like as bad as a lot of people, but I get super down, you right. know, and then it'll kind of, you can feel it kind of letting easing up and then it'll kind of lower on you again. Which is why, why I, and I'm not doing a, necessarily a commercial right now for my book, but that's why I talk in the book a lot about how we get lost in our own head and how our mind is not our friend, but it's, I mean, it's not our enemy, but it's not our friend either because we can really get bogged down in things. Well, that's why I was talking earlier about, you know, pre-language humans. Now, you know, were they happy beings? Probably happier than, than us. Right. And by the way, I will give a commercial for your book. That's a fantastic book. Thank you. I've got it on my shelf. I'm sure it's on my shelf over there somewhere. On that note. Um, that's a great book, man. You should be proud of that Thank you book. so much. On that note, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more. Don't forget to subscribe to my show in your podcast player app or to the RSS feed. You can find my email address, contact information, 
a disclaimer, and more information in the show notes, so please check those out. Be sure and purchase my book, Accepting Life on Life's Terms, Taoist Psychology for Today's Uncertain Times. If you love this podcast, you'll love the book. Look for the book wherever you buy books. Available in written and digital format. Okay, we're back talking with my friend and philosopher, Speck. Okay, so Speck, you have a Buddhist story you'd like to tell us in closing. All right, now I'm going to butcher that. This is something I heard from Alan Watts, so I'm probably going to screw it all up. But um, And this, I, this story, I think, kind of, this is one I think about a lot, and it goes to this idea that I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. you know, that um, the, the opening line of the Tao Te Ching is all you need. So there's this Zen master, if I remember it right, and a student comes up to the, the teacher and he says something like, uh, Master, is it true that the fundamental teaching of Buddhism is no idea? Or something like that. Or, or he said maybe it's, it's more like, um, Master, is it true that uh, Buddhism is the religion of no idea? And the master says to him, get rid of no idea. Hmm. And that, to me, kind of captures it, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're thinking in terms of this is what Buddhism is or this is what Taoism is, mm-hmm. then you're all caught up in the, the words that are keeping you from. And so you've got to throw that away. Yes. You got to get rid of that. That's that's my favorite one. That is a good story. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show today, and also thank you for meeting with me. And we haven't had a lot of chance to connect personally because of the pandemic situation. But thank you, Spec. Right back at you, buddy. That was fun. That was fun. Hey, that's all for today's show. I will see you next time. May peace and love be with you. Thank you for listening. Bye. is a Coach CMC production.